is ride hailing facing a new reality? And the Fed jumps into the fintech race. Plus, exclusive insights from the 2019 Auto Intel Summit. From Autoburst Media, this is Autoconverse. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Ryan Girardi. Today is Wednesday, August 15th, and you are about to listen to last week's Mobility Tech and Connectivity Show, How We Are Connected, and The Way We Get Around, which is streamed live on YouTube each week before a live audience. The Federal Reserve is entering the real-time payments race, announcing plans for a faster system to exchange money between banks by 2023 and 2024. The central bank said that a public alternative to the clearinghouse system started by big banks in 2018 would lower cost, improve efficiency, and reduce the vulnerability of the financial system, according to the Wall Street Journal. The development comes as technologies such as Venmo or Facebook's proposed digital coin are speeding up the ability for businesses and consumers to make payments. A top Lyft executive has left after less than 18 months on the job, and the stock is dipping. Lyft COO John McNeil is reported to be leaving the company. McNeil came to Lyft from Tesla, but is said to be leaving after less than 18 months on the job. Lyft stock dropped some 2% in the wake of the initial report and subsequent confirmation. On top of that, Uber lays off 400 employees from the marketing team. The layoffs will take place across Uber's global offices, cutting the marketing team from 1,200 to 800. With nearly 25,000 employees globally, according to a June SEC filing, the layoffs will reduce Uber's headcount by 1.6%. In an internal email to employees announcing the layoffs, CEO Dara Kazoroshari said that slower growth happens naturally as companies get bigger, but is still something the company needs to address quickly. The head of Uber's marketing department also wrote in an internal email that she's consistently heard that we have too many people with overlapping mandates, and there's a deep dissatisfaction within the team, more so than any other department in the company. So what does all this mean? To talk with us about this, I've brought on the head of Strategic Partnerships of the Americas at Cover Genius, Austin Ledgerwood. Austin recently returned from the 2019 Auto Intel Summit, which was held last month in Raleigh, North Carolina. Austin wrote about his key takeaways, which included how vehicle subscriptions are following the path of the lease, interest in in in-market access to auto insurance, plus the real question, how do dealers keep up with digital platforms that are now offering a one-stop car buying experience that customers are demanding? So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. During the show, there are instances where I explain how to get more involved with what we do on the show and here on the podcast and on the web. Thanks again for listening and be sure to let us and others know how you like what we are doing by posting reviews of the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and on our Facebook page. Here we go. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. All right, everyone, welcome to this week's mobility and connectivity show, mobility tech and connectivity show, I should say. This is our live weekly webcast, how we are connected and the way we get around. I'm Ryan Girardi. Thank you for joining us. Today is Wednesday, August 7th, 2019. Happy hump day, as I say every week. And also for today, happy Lighthouse Day. Uh, As you know, I like to find something fun 
related to a special day that's honored, and today is Lighthouse Day, uh, a light that shines in the darkness to protect and alert. Sounds like something one would say about the friend or mentor whom helps us in the hardest of times, but alas, this is not that reference. This is a reference to the silent but bright guardians of our coastlines and ships, the majestic lighthouse. So, And I picked that because... Because a lighthouse uh, is, you know, they're on coastlines and they've helped ships get around. They've served many purposes ever since we've been sailing the the seas and lighthouses have helped us get around. And so that is why we picked that today. So happy Lighthouse Day to you as well. All right. So today on the show, a couple of things. We're going to look at the feds jumping into the fintech race and also talking about whether ride hailing uh, how they're facing their reality, uh, some announcements around that. And then also going to be looking at a recent industry event, the Auto Intelligence Summit, which was uh, just last month in Raleigh. And I have our special guest coming on, Austin Ledgerwood from Cover Genius, who will be joining us. And so in a moment, we'll bring him on. Now, this is uh, streamed live to our YouTube channel. So if you are here live, thank you for taking time out of your day to be here. It's much appreciated. And even if you're watching the video replay, I uh, appreciate you uh, stopping in and, and, uh, and, and tuning in. And if you are here, be sure to leave a comment uh, to let us know that you're tuned in, whether you're live or in the replay. Or if you're listening on the podcast, let us know somehow that you're tuned in because you will automatically be entered for a chance to win a pair of tickets to an upcoming event. Now, today, towards the end of the show, uh, we were going to announce winners of our Digital Dealer 27 tickets. We're giving those a pair of those away. And I'm still waiting on some confirmation on that. But we also have the Driving Sales Executive Summit coming up in October. So you have a chance to win a pair of dealer passes to there as well. This is effectively a live recording session for the Auto Converse podcast. So thanks again if you tune into the podcast. And if you haven't already and you like podcasting, Go ahead and search for AutoConverse in your preferred podcast app. Now, something cool that we do is right after the stream ends today, we started doing this last month, the show is automatically archived and unlisted, meaning unless you have the link, you don't have access to the show. And you can get a link in a couple of different ways. One, by subscribing to our YouTube channel. And two, go ahead and get your phones out now. Text the keyword Auto Converse to 64600, and we will send you uh, a link to the show just a few minutes prior to the show. So I got some other stuff we'll go over towards the end, but what I'd like to do, as I just mentioned, it's Lighthouse Day. If you go to Twitter and look around uh, on, uh, on the Twitter feed, you'll see a lot of cool little photos and videos commemorating Lighthouse Day. I grew up with lighthouses around. I grew up in, in Florida, uh, Jupiter, Florida, specifically. In fact, we had a lighthouse that looked just like that, a little red and white one. But here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to bring up, give me one second here. There we go. We announced this on autoconverse.com. We announced the show. And if you're not subscribed to autoconverse.com, be sure to do that as well, because that way you'll get uh, this announcement that I'm going to bring and show you right here. Ding, ding. 
There you go. So you got Austin's picture. It's right behind me as well. Um, now, Austin is the head of strategic partnerships for the Americas at Cover Genius, which is one of the fastest growing companies uh, in InsureTech. Uh, they have partners like Booking.com, which is one of the largest travel companies uh, globally. And uh, they utilize Cover Genius to sell millions of policies per year in 60 plus countries and the 50 United States, wherever Cover Genius is licensed. Now, Austin's uh, background, he's been with the company he started earlier this year. And prior to that, he was with FlexDrive, which is a subdivision of Cox Automotive. You might recall we had Stefan Ferry on here with us just a few weeks ago from FlexDrive as well. He was with Cox Automotive for, I think, nearly 12 years. Not Stefan, but Austin. And uh, prior to that, he was on the retail side. So what I'd like to do is, Austin, if you want to pop your camera on, look at that. He's a pro. Hey, how are you, Ryan? <laughs> Good. Great to have you here. And I, I brought up the announcement for today's show, and I didn't have it preloaded, so I had to quickly get that up. Now, you're dialed in from Atlanta, and, uh, and, uh, you're, and you too grew up in uh, South Florida, I think you said as well, right? Yeah, I'm a, so I, we lived down there. God, it's been eons ago, but I lived down there after college. I went to the University of Florida, so it was the natural migration to head down to South Florida after college. Okay, eons ago. Yes, yes. Eons. 20 years. So. <laughs> well, most people watching this are probably close to our age, if not a little younger, a little older. So uh, appreciate you being here. Now, you just came back from the Auto Intelligence Summit, which was down in Raleigh, and uh, you published an article providing some of your insights, which I could, I could bring up here. But give us an idea. I have a few questions for you related to the, to the summit. I've never been there myself. So give us an idea of the size, the atmosphere. Uh, you know, give us a feel for what went on there and what it was like. No, I have to tell you, it was probably one of the better conferences I've been to in a while. Um, I would say they probably had about 300 people, maybe more. Uh, it felt about 300, so it was, uh, it was the right size. Uh, but what really, <clears throat> excuse me, was different was that it felt like they were actually um, had speakers that were talking about um, the actual current state of the automotive landscape. Um, they talked about less about what they thought and more about what they're seeing and how the trend is actually happening. Um, so it really shored up the opportunity for us to be able to say, where's the market going and how can we cover genius, especially interact with these new digital players. Um, but I thought it was a great show overall. Do me a favor. Do you hear um, audio looping in? I do. Was it on your side? No, it. It stopped. I don't hear it now. No, it wasn't on my side. It was sound like a woman talking. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Last week I had um, Bart Wilson on from Driving Sales. Oh no, it was the week before that. I had Sean Welsh on from Car Biz Done Better, and the show, this, this the live show was streaming on a tab browser. And I couldn't find it for like over 10 minutes. It was, it's so hard to concentrate when you hear yourself like 30 seconds ago talking. But that was weird. It did sound like a, a woman's voice. Yeah, no, I, I always find it that if I'm reading a news article on a, on a website that all of a sudden I'll hear somebody talking and I figure out that it's an ad that's minimized at the bottom and it just drives me nuts. Yes. And it's, it's like hiding from you. Yes. Um, 
So good. So one of the, I th- a couple of the takeaways that I'll have you elaborate on, one of them you had brought up was that subscriptions are, are following the path of the lease. What did you mean by that? Well, if you, you look at really the, how the leasing industry uh, really took off, you know, it's been around for 30, 40 years. Um, but what's really interesting about it is that it was not um, widely accepted out of the gate um, because the, the concept of acquiring a car has always been around, I own this car, it's my car. Uh, whereas lease, it's, hey, you get to use this car for three years or more um, and you make a smaller payment, but at the end you turn it in, you get something new. Um, so from a, the early adoption, it was, it was a struggle for leases. The, there were only a handful of banks that offered it. Only a couple OEMs really looked at it and pushed it. Um, so if you were to take that progression, it's very much subscription mirrors that. Mm-hmm. And it's from the standpoint of, um, it's the idea that, hey, I don't own the car, and now I don't have to be in the car for three years. I can drive what I want, when I want. And you're seeing players like Flex Drive and Clutch with great dealer partners and OEM partners that are really trying to gain steam with this idea that you can have a car when you want it. It doesn't have to be this set period of time, which is hard for a lot of consumers to understand and hard for a lot of uh, suppliers and dealers to understand. Yeah. I mean, when you really think about the way a subscription works, it's, it's funny because of the name flex drive. It's just a more flexible lease. Effectively it's there are restrictions and terms uh, and stipulations that go along with it. It just provides more flexibility doesn't that pretty much mean it's, it's going to end up costing more? It seems like the longer you commit to tighter terms, the lower your cost is going to be. So the more, the, the more leniency, the looser you want those options to be, uh, the higher you're going to pay for it. Is that true? So I, I think there is, um, there, is a, there is a tie to that. But I think really you, you want to start looking at subscription as the flexibility piece. Um, and are you going to pay a little more for it? Yes. But that's because there's a lot of different factors that are going into that cost right now. Um, you know, financing for cars that are going to be longer than the average floor plan. Um, that's hard to acquire right now. I know that uh, Clutch and FlexDrive have made uh, great strides with that. Um, I think that you're going to see as um, cars become more efficient better ones are sourced into the program. You're going to see maintenance costs come down. Um, but a key piece, one that I address is, is insurance. Insurance is still a hugely costly part of this. And it's because a fleet provider or a dealer, you know, they're putting cars into a subscription where the driver may ebb and flow and be different. So how does an insurance company, which has always really been tied to the driver and the car, figure out hey, what's the right price for this car where somebody's going to be in this car for a week and then somebody else is going to be into it? Um, The rental car companies have always had to do this, but they went through the self-insurance route or having uh, subsidiaries that offer the insurance. Um, But if you look at it, there are some hurdles to 
getting the adoption down on price. Um, but there's the factors on what we can bring down have easily been identified. So I'd love to get a little bit granular at the, at the risk of getting into product, uh, which is, isn't the worst thing in the world, but I'd love to get a, an idea of how Cover Genius ties in with the mobility space and the automotive space. Uh, Cause it's not like dealers are, you know, bundling, are they bundling in cover insurance to their purchases? It's much broader than that. Maybe you can give us an idea how the, how technically cover genius fits in with all this. Absolutely. So one of the pieces that uh, we're working on is the ability for auto insurance to be acquired at the time of purchase right now. Um, it's kind of a convoluted process to where I'm sitting there. I just bought a car. Now I need to take the information the dealer gave me, which I kind of gave them to begin with. And I need to send it to an insurance agent, uh, whether that's through an app or my phone, but I have to make that extra step to get the insurance. And for me, and I don't, I don't know for you, but you know, I've always had one insurance company. So for me, I just called the same one. I don't know to shop. I don't know to look for a better rate. I'm just looking to get out of there because I've been there for four and a half hours. So what we have uh, positioned and we've got a couple partners where it's offering the ability for the consumer to secure that insurance as part of the process with the dealer. So it reduced the fact that I have to get information from the dealer, send it to the insurance company so they can send it back to the dealer. It's kind of a archaic process. Okay. Is Cover Genius brokering the insurance or are you actually providing the insurance? We're, we're, the, we're the broker for the process. So with our, you know, one of the biggest, the value prop with Cover Genius is that we have an absolutely dynamic API that is able to take the consumer's information, the product that they purchased and return a product that is specific to them. So it reduces the hey, your cost could be between this and this, or you pay $50 because everybody pays $50. When in actuality, your pricing may be $29. And that's just from a generic standpoint for an insurance product. Um, But the real driver is the ability to have a customized, visible quote at that time. And with the partners that we have, the multiple carriers that we partner with, we're able to provide various products, insurance products at that time. So they can leave with the insurance card. Okay. So when we talk, and this is actually one of the talking points in your article, which is the, you know, the, the utopia of providing a complete digital transaction. Uh, I had a guy just a few weeks ago on here, Michael Pochin, who said, hey, if we want cars to drive themselves, they need to be able to sell themselves too. <laughs> that was a great, it's just really great contract or perspective, I think. But when we talk about a complete digital transaction, uh, companies like Honker and Carvana, uh, you know, that's what they're pushing for. And then when we talk about dealers where, where hey, you need a salesperson's going to have to be in there. So is Cover Genius, are, are, are you finding Cover Genius is embraced more swiftly by some of these uh, up and coming startups that are, you know, attempting to really transform the car buying process? A- a- absolutely. We, we've, the, the number of partners that have reached out to us uh, about this is, uh, it, it's growing quickly every day. 
Um, we've had a new, especially after the auto Intel summit and I had written a piece recently in automotive news where addressing this, it's really about the idea of having a fully digital transaction. And right now I've even seen, I won't call them out, but I've seen a digital retailer that um, promoted their recent um, insurance partnership. And it still is a part where someone fills out forms and sends it to a call center. And then that call center will return a product to them. That is just kind of um, taking the same process that already exists and calling it digital because it happened on a website or in an app. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the real piece that someone's looking for and, and subscription hits on this. They want it to where, Hey, what's my payment going to be? What is it going to cost me to get out the door today? And what do I need to drive it out the door? So we enable dealers and digital retailing platforms, the ability to truly have a digital transaction. Uh, Tesla, I think, is a great um, model where they're building their own insurance. So when someone buys a car through them, its insurance product is returned to them immediately. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody wants to take on that risk. but uh, Okay. Yeah, I mean, the economies of that have to be considered. I have one more question for you. Uh, and then uh, related to where we're going with this, and then we'll segue into a couple other topics. Um, uh, just so you know, Patrick Block's uh, uh, tuned in up here. He says hello. Yes, hey, Patrick. Say hi to Patrick. I just had dinner with Patrick uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually. The uh, fellow flex, flex driver. Yep, fellow flex drive. So uh, he says hello. Um, Mike here has chimed in that there's benefits to both with and without a salesperson. He points out if a car is new, and the consumer knows exactly what they want. I think of Tesla when you, when you talk like that might be easier, um, but used cars in a lot of cases really, really need that, that person, that person there. Um, my question to you was related to where you're kind of headed with this is in your opinion, in your estimate and your you know, experience in the business, how do dealers keep up with, with these digital platforms that are offering one stop, car buying. What's your recommendation to, uh, to dealers on how to keep up? Um, I, if, if I were a dealer, you know, the first thing I want to do is really invest time to understand where I want my business to go. I don't think cars are going anywhere. Um, I don't think autonomous cars are going to create this world where no one buys a car anymore. And I'm still a strong believer that cars are such a personal purchase personal selection that um, there still needs to be that intermediary. The dealership is incredibly important. I think the people still need to be there to foster the sales. Um, As you know, Mike alluded that, you know, you still need a a, uh, salesperson in the middle. I'm not saying take that away. I'm saying that, you know, maybe you don't need an agent, an insurance agent to work in your dealership um, that we can return a product to you at the point of sale. Um, but to really address your question as a dealer, I'm going to look at which digital retailer, um, provides me with the best option to interact with a customer during the selection or when they're looking at cars. So if I'm a consumer and I'm looking at auto trader, I'm looking at cars.com and I progress through to the dealership and I'm on the dealership site. 
how can a dealer interact with them beyond the um, CRM sending a generic email or text if I put my information in? So I think that's where I'm first starting out. And as a dealer, I'm also going to start looking at subscription. I'm going to start looking at my inventory as a fleet and as something that I can monetize over time versus that immediate one-time sale. Mm -hmm. Because I think we've all seen with new cars, the, uh, the money made on new cars is compressing very quickly. And on the back end, you have great F&I opportunities. Um, but even that is starting to get some scrutiny to where that's, that margin is going to be compressed. So you really start to look at used cars and how they can benefit your business. And it may be to where you decide, and I'm, obviously I'm biased because I have my uh, flex drive hat on for the second. Obviously, there's an opportunity for you to put cars into service that maybe don't sell that well, or maybe are ones that you need to ride out because you may have bought them uh, a little heavy. So as a dealer, I'm going to have to start looking at all the different avenues for my inventory to make money beyond the one-time sell. It's very well put. And, you know, something I heard you, I heard you say kind of in between your words is focus on what the consumer wants and what they need. I never thought of this before, but while you were saying that, I was getting that picture of focusing on that and not ignoring, but but not re- reacting to the rhetoric. There's a lot of rhetoric out there about disruption and, and change. And, and, you know, as you mentioned, our, you know, our autonomous cars driving themselves or selling themselves, but you have to focus on what the, con- what the consumer needs. And I don't know if you meant to say that, but that's what I kind of heard you saying that. that. No, a- absolutely. I mean, we can get into make it easy for someone to acquire a car. Um, but it, it goes along the lines of how do you continue that relationship with that consumer? Um, you know, I think obviously, you know, looking at uh, Clutch, for example, they've got great partnerships with several large OEMs, Porsche and Mercedes, just to mention them. Um, that is a great opportunity for an individual to figure out what kind of car they may want. Um, for an individual to say, hey, I love driving Mercedes. But sometimes I need an SUV. Sometimes I need a sedan. That's the ability for an OEM to really listen and understand what their consumers actually want and need. Well, good. Let's do this. We got us just a few minutes. All right. Um, and it's, uh, I appreciate you sharing what you did around InsureTech and CoverGenius. Um, you know, we like to cover things related to mobility technology as a whole. So naturally Lyft, Uber, Tesla come up a lot. News recently, just very recently, that Lyft's COO, John McNeil, who had only been there about 18 months, he came from Tesla, you know this, uh, has now stepped, stepped out. And Uber just laid off, from what I understood, 400 of its uh, of its workforce, all specific to their marketing, their marketing uh, division, which was over a thousand employees. So you're talking about a 40%, uh, I guess, cut or layoff in workforce. Now they spent $1.4 billion in the first quarter of 2019. This is Uber on marketing, but now they're a public company as is Lyft, but these are some pretty big moves. Uh, what do you, in your, estimate what do you think that their 
they're realizing or what do you think they're up against? Well, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, I've worked with both companies and, and think they have phenomenal teams. Um, I, I think that really you have that first shift that they're a public company now. So there's a different, as much as you can have the same leadership there, there's a different reporting structure. You're now responsible to the shareholders. You're now responsible to provide detailed information on earnings, projections, where before it was a little more, hey, you know, we need to raise more money. Let's go present. And here's the picture we want to tell. Whereas now it's very much, there's not a lot of uh, gray to it. It's very black and white. Um, you know, I, I've interacted with, with John McNeil and um, very sharp. Um, I, I imagine that, you know, there's probably, you know, for him looking at the market and the industry, I know he has great confidence in Lyft. He shared that in his exit. I think that, you know, for him, it's probably a change of pace or for him to get in touch with a different aspect of automotive because he is very sharp. Um, from the Uber side, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that Uber does a great job of outreach and they probably had to ramp up their marketing uh, from a standpoint of getting more additional drivers uh, creating a much larger presence for an IPO. Um, I, I think also that Uber in the long term, if you really look at the long strategy, isn't really about ride hailing. It's more right. about data. And I, I'm kind of uh, hedging that they're more invested in the data they're accumulating to when these autonomous cars do finally land. That if I owned a fleet of autonomous cars, and I want to know where to have my cars at 5 p.m., where's the best spot in Atlanta, Uber will have 10 to 15 years of data on where someone is and when they need a ride. And I think that is the true monetization. If you look at Uber Freight, Uber Eats, they now have an insight on when things are being shipped and when people like to eat. So for them, I, you know, I think that they'll probably go through further restructuring, probably change up um, how their, uh, their outreach campaigns are being conducted. And you could probably see a shift. You know, they may spend another billion dollars on marketing, but it's going to be more along the lines of what their true value prop is, and that's data. That's uh, these new um, platforms that they're looking at, like shipping, Uber Freight. That's a really astute point. And you really drew the contrast of Uber and Lyft. Lyft is very much about ride hailing. Uber is not. And, and I, think, uh, that, I think that's evident to most. Uh, the ride hailing is how they got started, but there's a lot more going on. It's kind of like Amazon got into being a bookseller, but they're, now they're Amazon today. So Uber is... Kindle um, killed books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they really did. Um, well, Austin, it's great to have you up here and sharing your insights. Um, I really appreciate it. And you had a lot of good stuff to, to share with us. Hey, thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. Well, we'll go ahead and um, let Austin go and I'll switch back to here. Um, what I'm going to do, folks, is bring up my screen and just go through a couple of things because, man, things are moving fast over here and I can't even keep up with everything. So once again, this is the, our weekly mobility tech and connectivity show. I'm Ryan Girardi. We do this every Wednesday at 2 o'clock Central for the most part, and we, it's a live studio recording session, and what we do is we make the show for the Auto Converse podcast, 
And we put a variety of content on the Autoconverse podcast. And the show is one of those um, one of those pieces that we put up there. We do about two to three per week. So thanks for tuning into our podcast for all of our, our subscribers. It's great to see our subscriber rate really, really pick up there. A couple of uh, nice announcements. Uh, this kind of developed over the past couple of weeks, and I'm finally putting it out there, but we formed a media partnership with Fixed Ops Digital uh, around the 20, uh, Digital Dealer 27, which is two weeks away. And what Fixed Ops Digital is doing is they're setting up a little media station. I shouldn't say little, but they're setting up a, some space in their booth, booth 833. And I will be there and we're going to uh, set up a series of conversations and interviews with people uh, from across the industry to talk about Fixed Ops and auto retail. Now, Fixed Ops D- Digital, I'm sorry, Fixed, <laughs> fixed Ops Digital, uh, earlier this year with Owen Moon, uh, he's, a, he's a co-founder and CEO, launched a video series called Fixed Ops Feature. And he's been publishing those to Facebook and LinkedIn alike. So this is basically Fixed Ops Feature live in Las Vegas at booth 833. So we've set up a Facebook event. For those that are on Facebook, you can RSVP and stay in the loop with that. I've set up a text code. So you can do it right now. Text the keyword DD27 to 555888. That's a different short code from the show, and I won't explain why, but there is a reason for that. Uh, so, so pay attention to that. That'll uh, give you inside, uh, insider access to everything we have going on uh, at Digital Dealer 27. Now, we're going to be doing something different this time. Normally, I have done these interviews and conversations streamed live. Uh, we're actually going to uh, set them up as premieres on Facebook, on Fixed Ops Digital's Facebook page. So what will happen is there might be one or two uh, f- uh, a day from the event that get streamed live, but for the most part, we're going to record them and then clean them up just a bit, and then we're going to feature them on Facebook over the next couple of months as individual videos. So uh, you still want to get yourself involved. Again, text DD27 to triple five triple eight. And if you're on uh, Facebook, be sure to RSVP to that. And thanks for those that have. Now, tomorrow, this uh, kind of came in last minute, but uh, you all know my good buddy, Terry Lancaster from the Get You Some Radio Show. And he helps uh, dealers, he helps auto sales professionals with their online presence, with using social media and re- reviews and whatnot to help them. Uh, build better relationships and sell cars. And what he's done is he's put together a two-hour workshop. And he's doing that on August 20th. And what Terry and I tomorrow, we're going we're gonna to hop up here for about 30 minutes. And we're going to go through uh, the curriculum that he's covering in that two-hour period. So that's tomorrow. And you can tune in live. You can catch the replay. That's free. And uh, just sign yourself up. Here's the announcement about it on autoconversion.net. And if, uh, if you do, you'll get a link. Actually, I put the link up here. Um, you can register for Terry's uh, workshop, again, which is on the 20th. Uh, it's $97. You get a 20% discount with uh, this link and this code. That's my jam. That's the code for that. Uh, so be sure to do that. Today's show is brought to you by Revolution Parts, uh, who we're glad to partner with recently, uh, working with dealers on true e-commerce solutions for... Uh, selling OEM parts online. And you can learn more by going to autoconverse.com forward slash rev parts. 
And one final announcement, folks. Um, we, as I showed you earlier, we set up a, an announcement on the AutoConverse blog every week announcing uh, the guests and the subject matter for this week's show. That is a separate site from AutoConversion. I know it's confusing, but we AutoConverse is one of many different uh, entities that we publish to. And what you want to do is if you're in the automotive, transportation, the mobility space, if you're in the tech space, go to autoconverse.com. It'll prompt you to subscribe. And then when we make these announcements, you'll get that sent to you, a link to the post, and you'll have a link to the recording. Because as I said, they're unlisted automatically once, it, once we end the live stream. And unless you have the link, you won't be able to, uh, to access that. So thanks again. I'm Ryan Girardi here from the Mobility Tech and Connectivity Show. Uh, shouts out to Bart Wilson from Driving Sales. Be sure to check that. Last week's episode, we did a preview of the 2019 uh, Driving Sales Executive Summit. Next week, we have Warren Zena coming on from Location Sciences. So be sure to tune in for that if you can. Let us know your ideas. Any input that you have, we're happy to incorporate them into the show. Thanks for tuning in live. Thanks for watching the replay. Thanks for listening on the podcast. Have a great rest of the day and great rest of the week. We'll see you next week. This is Audiburst Media.